Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour. Today, we are going to be talking with Danny White, who is a musician, a joy builder, a person who is very connected to his spirituality and very committed to building communities that are inclusive. It is a wonderful interview, but before we get started on that, I want to expand upon one of the things that Danny spoke so much about in this interview, and that is the importance of joy in our lives. When we look at all the layers of the human system and we think, where is my life going? What do I need to do to keep my body, my breath, my mind, my personality, my emotions, my spiritual connection? How can I keep these things going on the right road? The answer is point your arrow towards this thing called joy. And it's a little bit amazing to me because so many of us have been brainwashed to think that if we make time for joy, we are selfish. If we make time for joy or make that a goal in life, that somehow we're not enough. We're not productive enough. We're not using every second of our lives to be productive and make money and get a better car and a bigger house. That if you don't want to do those things, shame on you because you must be some kind of loser. (laughs) This is in the United States. I don't know how it is for everybody else in the world. And I just want to say that is exact opposite of yoga teachings. This kind of pull yourself up and work harder and push more. What we are saying in yoga is point your arrow towards joy. And that doesn't mean you get to lay around on the beach all day. It means you are of service to humanity in a way where you can live a sustainable life, keep your nervous system in balance, and find meaning and purpose while you make a living for yourself. I mean, this is the, the hard part, right? I think a lot of us have it. I can make a living for myself and run myself into the ground and burn out and be part of the rat race, or I can do this yoga thing and then I can't pay my bills, but I'm being of service. And, you know, we can do both. It's a needle to thread, but when we go inward, when we find our essence, as Danny talks about, when we start to get rid of all of the self-doubt and let go of things that are no longer you or no longer me, and we see what is left inside and work from that place, pointing the arrow towards more joy. And when I say joy, I mean deep, deep joy, not just frivolous, you know, I like to eat cookies or I like to go to the movies kind of joy. I'm, I'm talking about the deep flow of joy within. When we do that, we have no idea how our lives will unfold, but there is something deep within us, this inner knowing, this mm, spirit, if you will, that will guide us along the path. And it takes a lot of being present. It takes a lot of listening It takes a daily practice to come home to self and listen again. Okay, I'm at a tough spot here now. You brought me here or I brought myself here, however you want to look at it. What do I do next? And it's through that daily renewal that we can make our way through lives one hour, one day, one week, one month, one year at a time. So I've been doing this a lot this year. As you know, last year around this time, I got cancer, (laughs) made it through that one hour at a time, literally one hour at a time. I had a parent pass away on my husband's side. My parents have not been in good health and, you know, there's been some close calls there and a multitude of other pretty major and significant obstacles have come into my life. But what I can say is when things were going well, I didn't have that urgency or that mm, that inner bala, that inner strength to say, no, I have to do my daily practice to get through the day. I was kind of wobbling. you know. I would do it fully one day and then not so much the next day. And maybe I wouldn't have my hot water in the morning or I'd go to bed a half an hour late looking at TikTok or right. But this year, this year, I didn't have a choice. 
I had to do all the things to keep myself in alignment, to keep coming home to myself every single morning and every single evening, and sometimes in the middle of the day through my personal practice, it became so essential because I would collapse if I wasn't doing it. And I can honestly say that even after the most challenging year of my life, I feel great. I feel happy. I feel joyful. I feel like I'm living a life of meaning and purpose in a sustainable way. So Danny and I go into great detail, but I want to give you hope that it is possible. And if you're thinking, I don't know where to start, well, start by getting a yoga therapist. You know, Optimal State would love to provide you with a yoga therapist. We have so many amazing graduates now from our program and get on track. You know, I hate to say it, it's a little bit of a process to change your arrow towards the joy and to implement a lot of these daily practices. It could take a year or two or three of transforming your life, but it is worth it. There is so much of your life left for you to live. And why not go for it? Why not live in that space of joy and confidence and connection to yourself? So I introduce you to our guest today, and it's just really lovely to have Danny White here, who graduated from our Optimal State Yoga Therapy program about a year ago. He is a CIAYT and just a lovely human being. So let's go meet Danny. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour, Season 5. I'm your host, Amy Wheeler. Season 5 is going to be a little bit different on the Yoga Therapy Hour. Our mission for this season is to help support you, the listeners, on your mental, emotional, and spiritual journey. Now, until this point, we've focused on talking to yoga teachers and yoga therapists. But in Season 5, we want to bring yoga therapy to the world, to the general public. We're going to talk about regulating your nervous system, how to find a spiritual connection within, how to feel more connected to your community, how to communicate properly, how to manage your mental health, specifically your anxiety and depression and maybe even some trauma. We're going to talk about the science behind why yoga therapy works. There are many things that mothers and fathers and brothers and cousins and colleagues and bosses and neighbors can benefit from listening to this podcast. So if you're a yoga teacher or a yoga therapist and you want to let people know what it is you do and how it can help them, season five is going to be for you. You'll be able to share these podcasts that have common sense language explaining to the general public what it is that you do. Every single episode is going to include a mini practice from the guest, lifestyle tips or advice from the guest, things that are practical. What is it that our listeners can gain right here, right now from listening to the interview? Something that they can implement into their life. It's going to be very practical and very applied. So I am excited about season five. I hope you are too. And we look forward to getting your feedback and seeing if this new way of going about sharing yoga therapy with the world is something that you enjoy and if it's helpful to you. So you can always give us feedback and let us know what you're thinking and what you want from the podcast. We are here to serve you. So with that, let's move into season five. Good morning. I would love to introduce you to my friend and colleague, Danny White. And Danny is going to start us off today. It's nine o'clock in the morning here in California. And he's agreed to start us off with a little chant just to bring us into our hearts and settle us a little bit. So Danny. Fantastic. Well, I love the Gayatri mantra. It's just something that reminds us of the light that's within us that can always shine forth and kind of permeate others when they're feeling a little dark as well as lighting us up too. So let's start with a few deep breaths, probably about three, just to kind of settle us. You can even feel as you breathe in the light growing within you. And I know it's hard sometimes and we sometimes feel dark inside. We can let this sound kind of 
remind us that the light is always there. Om Burbuvastwaha Tatsavitur Varenyam Bargo Devasya Dimahi Vyoyana Prachodaya Om Burbuvastwaha Tatsavitur Varenyam Bargo de Vasya di Mahi di Oyona Prachodaya Om Burbu Vastuaha Tatsavetur Varenyam Bargo de Vasya di Mahi di Oyona Thank you, Danny. That was a lovely way to start the day. I'd like that to be my, my alarm ringer when I go off in the morning. <laughs> I would too. Right? You, I think there's a way to do that. Right? Create your own. So, so that would be a wonderful thing. A, a little product you could, you could put together. If I love your marketing. A, a, a gift to the universe. If you want to <laughs> want to create that for us. Yes. We'd love to. So welcome, Danny. I have not talked to you for maybe a year. And I think, I so. you. I think of you often. You're only an you know, 90 minutes from me in Temecula, California. Mm-hmm. And why don't you just tell us what you've been up to lately so we can get a little feel for the types of things you do during the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I lead multiple lives, many gigs to survive in this economy. And in Temecula, it's really expensive too right now. Along with what I've done for many, many years is computer consulting, which kind of helps pay the bills. And it's a beautiful job that I've been able to maintain over the last 25 years that I can work from home or work from wherever I'm at. That gives me the opportunity to pursue other passions. And we have a yoga studio down here, Temecula Yoga Collective, which you've been to many times. And Mm -hmm. some memories came up recently of you coming down and doing part of our teacher training there. And I saw some comments that everyone loved it. And that right there, that wanted me to work more with you. We had done some work before, but what's been going on in the last year is what I've kind of seen. And and it's kind of been steered by the training I did with you is making yoga accessible to everybody to be inclusive. And our studio is a yoga studio and we go in there and many of the classes, especially we've been in business 10 years now, we'd always start with a nice invocation, the ohms and everything. And all of our yogis really loved it. But as we went on, we heard talks from other people. It's like, I love the yoga. It makes me feel centered. I'm grounded, all these types of things. But what are you saying at the beginning of class? Because that is kind of a little off-putting and we don't really have the time to go into what the chants mean. And, you know, in an area that has a lot of churches and religions, you know, we're going to have those people come into our studio. And so we've seen that we can teach yoga all day long to yogis and it's great and it's lovely. And I love doing that. But since working with you and, and working to create kind of the secular side of yoga, that had really gotten me sparked on how I can do this work and not have to really force people into something that they might not be ready for or is good for them or beneficial. So our studio has kind of softened its approach a little bit throughout the COVID years. And then up till now of what we present to them, some classes like mine do start with the chant. I try to educate, but if we want people to find the efficacy of these practices, we need to meet them where they're at. And so when I saw your season five podcast, and that was kind of your, your message, First thing is like season five podcast is like, I don't think I can talk to yogis. I mean, you and your team, they're just amazing and powerful and all, uh, you know, so much knowledge. And 
And then I saw your thing, what we're trying to do is stop preaching to the choir. And I was like, boom, I signed up that night. To, I to saw that. I, know, I was like, I have to do this. I was so happy because I didn't know how this season five change was going to feel for people. A lot of people like talking to other yogis and yeah. we're spreading out into the general public and trying to speak the language that they can hear it. And I just want to make a clarification. Sure. You know, when we say secular, mm-hmm. in my mind, it's still spiritually secular, which mm-hmm. is a little different. It, it means you could teach to agnostics, to atheists, to mother nature lovers, to religious people. It's saying we want to hold the teachings of yoga precious and sacred and acknowledge where they come from. And as you said, not every single person is ready to come off the street and hear this beautiful Gayatri mantra on day one, when they don't know what it is. Right. Therefore, this kind of education and meeting them where they are, that that was a very desiccatorian um, mm. thing. Yeah, and I love that because what we've always tried to do in our studio as we talk and we and we educate people and in my teachings is the stuff that we learn in our yoga should strengthen what is already strong within you or reemerge the, the the faith-based systems or whatever it is within you. It's never to try to take you and say, Oh, do this and that. It's like trying to allow what's inside you to have more permanence, more presence. One thing that I remember you saying when we were talking about like using sounds was like, if you grew up with say for this example in the church and you sang certain hymns, you spent two decades of that. Wow. That has such a power running through you. And then you step into a yoga studio and you start chanting the Gayatri, for example, that can be meaningful too, but it doesn't maybe have that lineage type connection to you. And so finding, you know, ways to bring those things that we've been exposed to for the longest part of our life back into importance in us. It was mind blowing and revelatory for me. The story that I probably told you, I tell this story all the time, is that grew up as the daughter of a Christian minister from the womb. I was hearing the Christian hymns and the Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple of decades where I was studying Buddhism, studying Hinduism, studying and, and still still do study those things and and feel them in my heart. But I had this urge to go back and just experience the Christian church again. And as soon as I heard those hymns, I felt something deep in me move and I just started crying. Yeah. And it was like, what is this? Yes. Yes. Now, I also want to acknowledge that for some people that could be traumatizing mm-hmm. because they were abused in their childhood religion or, you know, bad things happen to good people. So, you know, with the caveat that not everyone has to go back to their childhood religion. No. Yeah. But it could be very powerful. It can be. And, you know, if we look at the teachings of yoga and how many leaders and teachers have fallen from grace, even in our modality with um, Anyasara, we saw that that had a huge falling from grace. But what we also saw was that many of the teachings, both physically and philosophically, were very valid. And so it's like, do I throw away all of that stuff because of this type of thing that happened with this one person? Or can I just use what works for me experientially? And I think that gives us to a point where we, we need to be cautious of who we look up to and put on these pedestals and put our power into. So to that point, you know, I've, I've had wonderful Christian experiences and not so wonderful Christian experiences. I've had wonderful yogic experiences and not so wonderful yogic experiences. And for me, it is trying to, and when I work with people is to find the things that work yeah. and throw away the rest. I was just working with a student yesterday <clears throat> who was feeling really badly about wanting to separate from a particular teacher slash lineage. Mm -hmm. And I said, you shouldn't feel badly about that. You, you got what you needed. You've digested it. It's moved through you. It is part of you and it's okay to move on. Like that's not a failure. No, (laughs) it's a work (laughs) if you choose to move on. Right. Yeah. So Danny, how is it going? Like since you've kind of decided to meet the public where they are and offer whatever tools 
you can that should support them in the journey that they are on. Yeah. How is that going at the studio and with your private lessons? Is it being received well? I, I think it's being received greatly. I teach a once a week group yoga therapy class, and that one's just kind of shooting down the middle, trying to get nervous system to regulate. Last night, I knew I was having a client come in that had some extreme knee and hip issues. So when I know that, I'll kind of build the class towards that, but still have these kind of thematic things and breath type things that help them kind of just move through their life and be more accepting. For me, it is hugely about the breath. And what I've also kind of steered towards, and and I can maybe unpack this a little bit more, is approaching things using the terminology mindfulness or consciousness. And I think that's been very helpful to get more quiet, to get more present within you and see what arises. But I'm a huge believer of people needing to have faith in something. And I don't know if we wanted to talk about that now, but I, I, yes, yes, great. Because this is really what's been for me, the most impacting because I want to teach to the things that I've gone through that I've experienced myself that have had a predictable result. And I think for me, faith is doing something over and over again, reflecting on it and seeing what the result is. And then saying, ah, this is doing this as a predictable result that is beneficial to me. And I start to say, okay, if I get up in the morning and I do some stretches and then I feel like I'm not so, you know, hunched over at my desk and all that type of thing. That's great. I can start to see at the physical layer on a Maya Kosha, right? I can start to have that type of faith that, oh, if I go do my yoga, my stretching, I'm going to have this. But as we know in that Panchik Maya uh, model, is what's the thing in the middle faith, but can we always work at that faith layer? Some people come in and that's it. And boom, we got it. It connects all of the dots or all of those points on that graph that you have. But the breath I feel is our huge bridge to faith. And why is that? And I've been really contemplating on this a lot. Because yes, pranamaya kosha, second layer, and how that penetrates and, and all the physiology and, and the things that the breath does. But when I sit and breathe, and I start to contemplate on what is my inner state, and if I see that, oh man, I'm angry right now, or I'm frustrated, or and then if I pause and I see my breath, and I'm like, man, it's not doing much. And I start to recognize that there is breath type of patterns with every emotion then that starts to give me this idea that maybe my breath is connected somehow to my inner state. And so if I take some time and I teach my students, this is let's do this particular breath pattern or something in and out, nothing too complex. And then how do you feel about that? And it's like, well, I feel better, you know? And then I say, okay, let's, let's look at the qualities of breath. And I love this is because if I look at the qualities of breath, you can't see it, but it, can go anywhere in your body, right? It's not just to your lungs. It changes that. And then it sends in the bloodstream and all that stuff out. And then I really feel that the breath. Yes. Thank you. The breath <laughs> is, you are so good with your online stuff. I'm just so amazed. For those of you listening, I just put up the punch of my model with the five layers of the human system. If you'd like to see the video version of this, you have to go over to YouTube. So Right. That's amazing. So what I feel like right now, and we talked about this in class with all sorts of people last night is you can't see the breath, but it can go everywhere. So that seems to be omnipresent. The breath can know, especially when we are mindful of like the person that had the knee issue, we put our hands on that as we're doing some breath exercises. Prana Dharana, if I say that right, right? Prana goes where we put our stuff. And so, um, Prana? Right. So it's also all knowing it's omnipresent, it's omnipotent. And so for me, the breath is that thing that is almost godlike. And when I start to talk about just the breath to people, how it can move through them and change their physical, mental, emotional bodies, that's something they can start to have faith in. That's what I'm calling secular spiritualism, right? Ah, yes. It's there is a spiritual component to it but we don't have to say it's a dogmatic religion or here's all the rules that you have to follow. Mm -hmm. 
And I find that a lot of yoga people are willing to engage with the type of language that you're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, you mentioned God, you know, that leaves a bad taste in some people's mouth. Mm. But in my own life, my faith has grown so much stronger by my practices of, of yoga therapy and, and, and regular yoga, but of breath practice. And, and next thing I know, I it's, it's just God and breath are one for me. And, and, and that gets me through a whole lot of stuff. You know, I, I love that, you know, there's the physical and then you jump into, you know, the fifth layer. And then that just, it tingles all these dots. You need to look at this, this wonderful graphic that she has. So go out to YouTube and look at that. And, and so, you know, for the work that really I find most impacting is the breath, but breath with sound. And that's about that. Yeah. So so many people are afraid or not afraid. Maybe Mm -hmm. don't like the sound that comes out of them. So it's a powerful thing, but for a lot of people, it's hard for them to hear themselves make. Absolutely. And, but most of us, even, you know, myself was told you shouldn't sing. You can't sing. Don't sing. And that's a wound. That is the deepest wound. I feel that we've heard. And many of us have heard that. And it's just so hard to get around. But in the privacy of our own homes or cars or showers or whatever, oftentimes we're singing because it just makes us feel amazing. It is using our breath. We're having to get that fullness. Sometimes, you know, if I see people can't exhale really well, the first thing I do is, well, let's hum. Mm. And it's instantly doubled, instantly doubled. Boom. And just a hump, as you and I know, that has a lot going on, but that gets them to really start to regulate their diaphragm, to control their breath out. So what I had done for the longest time is chanting mantras. And the people that love that, they would come in, they would sing some, that was their only time to have permission in a group where I'm the loudest voice. I try to deliberately be that way so they can sing underneath me and still make sound and add to the whole. But again, we ran up against that thing of what am I singing? Some of the people that most needed to use their voice most needed to breathe and be in community and be vulnerable and be safe and use their voice were put off by mantras. And so what do we do? And, and that got me really thinking about what I want to do with music. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is how we can bridge the gap, just like we're doing in the kind of the secular way of talking about mindfulness or breath as a faith type system is what can we do to bridge the gap, to get people to be sparked with emotion from something, to have permission to be vulnerable, and then to find the highest light and understanding that they could have right now in this moment. And that's really where the work I'm doing with the songs we're writing and the work we're going to be doing this point forward is, is targeting. What does that look like? I mean, I know. So is the band that you have behind you, Danny and the butter thieves, is that, Yeah, that's the name of the group yeah. that is moving forward in this new direction? Yeah. It's very deliberate. You may know the story of the butter thief with Krishna as a baby and he would go and steal butter and the butter in the, in the philosophy is that, you know, it's the, it's the mind, it's the clarity, it's finding the best in the moment. And, you know, some of the butter thief stories are that Krishna would come and steal your heart Mm. and he would say, Oh, look at this. They have doubt. They have self-limiting thoughts. They don't trust. They have all these things. And it's just, it's sad. Let me clarify it. Let me churn all of that gunk out of there and get it back to you. (laughs) Yeah. As ghee, Right. And I loved that. And, and so when I was coming up with the name, you know, I was like, what do we do? And, and, and that's not going to be so, well, what are all these deities and things like that? And, and the butter thief and the butter thieves has so many different ways we can unpack it in, in different ways that don't go straight to the, the stories of Krishna, but have ways of looking at things within our own life of how we can become more clarified, have more discernment. 
And, you know, I, I think this is a hard point. Some people listening to this are going to feel like, is this cultural appropriation? And mm-hmm. I think we have to acknowledge that for some, it may feel that way, not to mm-hmm. go directly to the mantras. And you and I have been taught in the tradition of Krishnamacharya and TKV Deskachar that says we are working to help people heal in the language they can hear. And we're not denying the source. We're actually very grateful for the source. I'm sure you and your personal practice are chanting all the mantras regularly. But as you said before, can we give it to them in function over form? The form would maybe be the the Hindu mantra. Mm -hmm. What is the function of that mantra and how can we give it to them in a way that gets a similar healing function? So that's what I hear you saying. Yes. And so I've, I've been going back and forth on this too, because I've studied the mantras. I practice the mantras. I, I I have a a love of Western music and, and the lyrics and the ideas and the themes. And what really kind of started me on the path of this presentation of it. And please know to your listeners and to yourself, I'm sure you know that I honor these, these things just as I would honor just finding the deepest way to do a Surya Namaskar. But in sometimes the person coming into the studio can't do it like it's, it's been presented. So we make modifications and I feel that this is kind of a modification. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that really has triggered in my heart, this longing, this yearning to find the self is this Western music, certain songs growing up uh, just opened me up, but then left me feeling so distraught. One of the songs was, I can't live if living is without you. And that just to me, you know, it's Harry Nelson and it was originally done by Badfinger. I can't live if living is without you. I can't give, I can't give anymore. And for me, it was just like, oh my goodness. I just, I would love to have that woman or partner in my life that is just, oh, it's just heartrending. And if they're not there, my life is gone or the song, I can't smile without you. And it's just like at one level, it is so emotional that, that it just comes out. But at the end of the day is you're giving so much power to somebody else. And I was talking about this with Arish Wallace one day, he was down doing a training and I was saying, these just bring up so much within me. And he goes, have you ever thought of like, instead of thinking about that as towards another person, as towards the divine? That's what I was thinking when you said that. Right. And I, I was like, without you. <laughs> right. And I went back and I wrote this one song and it's a, it's a Kundalini mantra. It's a guru, Ram Das guru. And, you know, I love the, the Kundalini folks at, at 3HO. They, they really bridge the gap well. And so I did that and I did it at this one event I was at. And it was just like people loved it because it tied back in to the hymns of church, for example. But it pointed to the highest light vibration. And so for me, when I'm chanting mantras, whether it is to Krishna or Hanuman or Shiva or whatever, it is, those are sonic representations of God. Yeah. And when I bring up Western, my initial first language, these deep emotions, and then I point it at God, I point it at these deities, I point it at the mantra, then it's purification. And I really think for, for me, that is a great way to bridge the gap and get people into it. Okay, Danny, I'm throwing you a total curveball right now. And you, <laughs> you can say no, because we have not discussed this. Yeah. You see a guitar sitting next to you. Is that there for a reason? Is there any way we could yeah. hear an example of one of these songs? Absolutely. And I, I do have one queued up at the end, but I just released this song. I call it the joy. I don't know. Can you, can you hear this? Uh... Yeah. And so, you know, Sat Chitananda is this wonderful thing that we try to teach just the essence of being, you know, and shit, this consciousness of being just aware of everything. And when we get into that, ah, Nanda, that fifth layer arises, 
that says, you know what? I just broke up with my girlfriend. I just filed bankruptcy. I just been diagnosed with this or that. How the hell you expect me to be happy? You know, we've got to get into this place where we find that through these practices, it arises up joy. It's down there at that fifth layer, but it permeates everywhere. And so we have to give ourselves permission at times. So this song talks about that. And then it moves into the mantra. It's called Sata Nama. And it's just kind of the cycle of life or of any situation we're in. And I think you talked about, you know, the digestion of an experience. And that's sometimes what we don't get that full realization of the digestion of something. And so it just builds up and builds up and we don't have that final revelation. It's, it's more and more concealment. So I'll do a little bit of this joy song. Here we go. Okay. Go for it. I got joy down in my soul. I got joy down in my soul 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 A joy arise, a sister, a brother, a mother, a father, a baby born with your eyes. Or mountains and canyons and rivers and oceans, or prayers of devotion that set into motion the powerful emotion of abundant joy. It's paired with no opposite. It's time that we talk of it. How joy is an ultimate truth. I'm all full of wonder for such it's an under joy will always see. Thank you, Danny. I love that. (laughs) Danny, I'm so glad you shared that with us because in my mind, I couldn't quite conceptualize how you were bridging this together and what I heard and tell me if I'm correct or if there's more to it. You basically said in English language, here's the target that we're going for. Mm -hmm. Then you put in a little bit of mantra. So you're already educated, like, here's what we're talking about. Here's the mantra that goes with that. And then English again to kind of flush it out a little more. Is that kind of the pattern? Correct. I stopped the song before it does end on the mantra repetitive and over and over. And, you know, by that time people have like, oh, wow, okay, I've got permission and they can sing. And so that has been the kind of the format for many of the songs. And I'm not the first one to do that. We look at George Harrison, mm-hmm. my sweet Lord, you know, Hare Krishna. you know, he snuck it in to mainstream and gave us, yeah, it was like, what? And then it went away. It went away for 30, 40 years, you know, and what I'd love to see it is coming back. And, and George was, you know, an amazing practitioner honoring of the mantras as well. And so, you know, it's not this, that let me just pick something and, and, and do it. Um, it's, let me make it very mindful, very, have an intention for this. Um, and so that's kind of what we're trying to do with the butter thieves there. It reminds me of a, a beautiful story that I'll just tell quickly. One of the first times I was in India, I didn't know anything about chanting. I didn't know how to chant. And we were with Deskachar and a group of people, and he wanted each person to go around and, and do a chant, either mm. the Indian tradition or from their own tradition, because people were from all over the world. And at that point, I really didn't know any mantras or any 
Indian chants. And the best I could come up with in the moment was you are my sunshine. And he loved it. He, he saw that as similar to the Gayatri mantra. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he didn't tell me it was wrong. He was actually thrilled that I had found a song that had meaning to me in my tradition and my language that had the same essence as his Gayatri mantra. And I, I see that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I think I remember you saying here, uh, telling that story in one of our sessions and that just made me smile because, you know, I mean, Westerners get such a hard rap. You have no culture, you have no this, you have no that, but we do, you know, we do have a lot that is yearning to rise up within us and these things like you are my sunshine and I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in, down in my heart. <laughs> I've got the joy, you know, and like all of those things are exactly what I feel that some of the mantras are for. But what I love about the mantras is because I think we do need to use the fact that if I say, okay, so great. So let's just all meditate or sing about love. And that's great. It's, you know, love, 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 all the, you know, everyone sings about love. And if I sit there and contemplate and meditate on love long enough, I'm going to get to it where it's like, I don't have that person that I love anymore. And it starts to get into that negative loop because that's just kind of how our minds seem to be programmed. Mm-hmm. And so we could take something as beautiful as love and then it turns into something sorrowful or heartache or bitter. And so I think it's important that we then point it to these sounds that we don't truly have a good dictionary meaning in our language. Um, And then it's just like we've planted the seed of love, for example, and then we go to that place. That's the sonic representation of the highest form of light or understanding that you could even imagine. And then that just polishes and purifies. Yeah. It gets the mind to shut off the labeling. You know what I, I love about what you've done, Danny, and I, I've seen an evolution. I mean, you used to do strictly Kirtan, 100% Sanskrit mantra. For many, many years, you had another mm-hmm. band. Yeah. And, and to see this transformation into being comfortable in your skin, to take the essence of these concepts, because let's face it, all religions are putting labels and terms and language around how to explain these concepts that truly are the highest, that there are no words for. Mm-hmm. You have gone inward and found your essence and your representation of what that's going to look like. And I think that's what Yoga Sutra 1.3 is telling us to do, right? We mm. 1.1 is like, hey, now we begin yoga. 1.2 is here's the definition of yoga. And then 1.3 is here's why we do yoga. And it is to go inward and find that essence of the divine within in your unique package, your unique prakriti. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. And, you know, I, with this whole band thing and everything that we're doing, we, we sit around, I have a great team around me and we sit around and we talk a lot about what we're doing. We're all in one way or the other healers or people on the path in, in, in the group. But one of the, we, we thought we'd write a mission statement. But really what it is, is when we get goosebumps, we know we're doing the right thing. (laughs) So that's our mission statement is goosebumps. So we talk about something, how a song should look or sound or act or function or what we want to do in something. If we're getting the goosebumps, we feel like that's God's message for us to say, follow that, you know? And one of the things, you know, to get to where I'm at now, my obstacle in yoga, I don't know the sutra, but of the nine obstacles is samshaya, is self-doubt. And that has plagued me for forever. And what I've had to do to counteract doubt is, first of all, develop faith. And the faith, as we talked about in finding that the breath changes my constitution right now, and that it's always there. It's always reliant upon And then that starts to spark it. Well, where does breath and air come from? And then I can say, well, it comes from the great divine, the great creator. And then, you know, for me, just in 
conversations with you or I or other people. I, I just call it God anymore or spirit, whatever. And so that has helped battle the doubts. But one of the things that I've had to do is do a, a kind of a not me, not mine type practice. And I've made lists recently of all the things I'm not. Like namo namaha. Yes. Wow. And I'm working, yes. And I'm working on a wonderful song that's going to be coming out. That is namo namaha, similar format. And I'm excited about it. I'm always excited about the next thing I'm working on. It's the best thing ever. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but making a list of all the things I'm not, I'm not a lead guitar player. I'm not aspiring to be playing in stadiums. I'm not this, I'm not that I'm not this. It's not me. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. And at the end of the day, what is left is the truest essence of my understanding of myself right now. And I think I'm doing that and the band is doing that. And we're finding what is this band trying to do? And we're, we're not trying to do this. We're not trying to make tons of money. We're not trying to do all these things. And what's left at the end of the day is we're just being guided by a higher force. And that has taken away the doubt. And then I love that these mantras are there for me. At our last gig Saturday, we have two very strong Ganesha mantras. Mainly, both of them are very Kirtan-esque, but in kind of one's a little bluesy. And one's very just downbeat, the elephant walking through the jungle, trying to find water and it switches rhythms. And it's like, okay, I've got some traction under me. And then here comes another obstacle. So I really feel that the mantras are meeting me right where I need them to be. When, you know, I've had an obstacle this morning, our band has been fraught with obstacles. Every time we try to do something in a way, it's not, we're trying to do the same thing over and over again, where we try to keep moving forward. There's another obstacle that lets us learn more about ourselves. And so Ganesha mantra, Om Gung, Ganapataye Namaha, it is there, the power of the elephant just saying, you know what? Put that foot forward, put that foot forward, ride on the back of a beautiful being, you know. Mala. Strength to keep going. Right, right. What I want to point out that you said, because of all the nine obstacles that I hear our students and even people in the general public, it is some shaya, it is self-doubt. And what I heard you say is that you are stripping away everything that is not you. And what is left is the essence of you. And if you just keep connecting to that, your self-doubt is lessened your faith mm -hmm. is greater and you're just going to keep walking through the obstacles reconnecting 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 to that essence and we call this ishvara pranidhana it's actually yes. not even your business what is going to happen from that right place. it's a it's a mystery it's magical and i think when we can get to that place then when the obstacles come and I've, I've had quite a few obstacles. I here. bet you have, I know you have. <laughs> when the obstacles come, it's almost like, all right, well, what is this going to bring? Cause I didn't right. expect this. Here we are. Let's, and it, I don't want to say the obstacles become exciting or fun, but they become tolerable. And it kind of feels like, well, a door is closing, but I have certainty that a new door will open. And I wonder, Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder what's behind that door. Absolutely. hundred percent. And I think Ram Dass, the, the modern Ram Dass said it, it, it's just grist for the mill. Mm. You know, it's the thing that is going to allow you to continue to realize. And, 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 you know, the only way to continue to bring about a deeper understanding of you is not to have everything go your way is to have challenges to go inward and say, how am I going to respond to this through my, you know, my experiences, my teachings, my practices, my, my community. And yeah, it's not a joyous thing, but at the end of the day, there's a whole lot of joy, a whole lot of Satchitananda because I am aware of a lot more. And, and I'm just thinking, you know, the reasons we're not able to 
do that? Why, why can't we use it as grist for the mill? And things that are coming to me is we have so much self-doubt that it kind of overtakes us, or mm. we have so much anxiety that we don't know how to process the anxiety to get to the other side. Or maybe we have something happen in our life, like illness that is just mental or physical, that is just too much to be digesting and processing and putting that grist in the mill. Or maybe whatever reason we can't, we just can't face it. And in that instance, and this is another teaching I learned from Deskachar, patience, just let some time mm. pass. Don't make Absolutely. any big decisions. Don't give up the band because you had an obstacle. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We all want to do that. We all want to eject. This is yep. too painful. I can't do it in this moment because I'm worn down. And then we throw everything out. Now, that's not to say we can't ever leave a situation. We can, but mindfully and in a way that honors the people involved, the situation involved Yeah. versus I'm out. Yeah. You guys suck. I can't stand you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. I don't know what you think. Those, those are the thoughts that came up. Like, of course we want to do that as people who are on this path, but I would say in 80% of the time, Danny, I just see people eject and get out. Absolutely. One of the obstacles of the band was our bass player, longtime friend. I've known him since I was 15 and we've had our togetherness and our parts and everything. And he came and he joined the band and he was, not a yogi, not any, you know, he played country music and all that stuff. And he was really enjoying it. And, you know, he was saying that this is the most fun I've had playing music. And five days before our debut, he ejected. <laughs> and it was sad. But we persevered. It opened up other doors. But I think to your point, why so many people eject, like, like our guy did, is, and I love him, he's a brother, is that we're just not resilient right now. Yeah. And that it, when we look outward at, at what's happening in society and, and these things is everyone is just so frayed in their nervous system. And that's what I've loved about these practices. Just the smallest time of stopping and contemplating and breathing for me just gets me resilient enough to take on the next thing. And it is only when I am resilient enough that I can handle the things that are coming my way. And, you know, that whole thing that God only gives you what you can handle. That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really? You think I'm ready for this one right now? And, <laughs> and, and maybe that even is the, the thing that I can't handle this and I need to find ways that I can handle it. And so for people like you and I that can give these resiliency practices, that can just say, Hey, you know what? I don't have to deal with this relationship, this issue, this problem. Let me just get myself a little bit more settled and grounded. Then I can start to look at these things. And so, you know, self-care first, right? Well, and we've been talking about this in our, our yoga therapy program, which you went through and graduated from and became a CIYT. We've been talking about during the good times when things are actually going well is when we have to build that resiliency yeah. well because yes. when things come and crash us that's the well that we can draw from yeah and a lot of us when things are going well is when we're like oh i can skip my practice today i'm right. gonna go hike or i'm gonna not that hiking couldn't also be a practice but right we forget that all those little drops in the bucket matter for when things really start to get challenging 100 percent you know, I, I sometimes teach, you know, when you're in a bad place and you know, I, I go through depression and I, I work with people that have depression too. And, you know, you, if you have the, any kind of possibility to kind of look at your actions, it's so hard in that depressive mode to kind of see what's going on, how I'm eating and, and sleeping and those types of things. But I think what's more important is as to your point as when it is going good, is to look around me and say, what is responsible for this? Is it because I'm sleeping good? Is I got good community and putting value, putting faith in those things. And so faith isn't just saying, Oh, I, I surrender into the highest source. Yes. That's ultimate faith. But faith is, well, I love your kind of tagline is small changes, big results. Yeah. Big results. Yeah. yeah. So when I look at like, Hey man, I've had, you know, a couple of good days. 
And, oh, I'm, I went to bed. I did my practice. I did this. I start to build the faith in those actions that that gets me a predictable result. And so I think it's important to you is to, to keep filling that bucket is to be aware of why it's working when it's working well. I'll talk more about this in either the intro or the outro, but I'm, I'm using an app to track all of that for myself mm-hmm. and then track the results. Okay. Um, and it really is very predictable. Is it the HRV? Well, the one that I've started using, it's covered by my health insurance is called better B E T R better. And okay. it's an app that focuses on microbiome. So I'll talk about it in the intro or the outro after this, because it's not about weight loss. It's not about, you know, shaming yourself into some better state. It's like, Hey, let's build your microbiome, which gives you about 95% of your serotonin. That's your your intelligence, right? (laughs) Yes. And then let's see what happens. And I'm just so impressed. And I'm impressed that my health insurance is covering, it's kind of an expensive app. How can health insurance be covering a microbiome app? That is mind blowing to me. Yeah. So, well, it must be working because you look fantastic. And I know you've, you've had your obstacles and challenges, but as always, your eyes are bright and shiny and it's just, it's Mm. you, you are one person that I love to regulate too. (laughs) Co-regulate together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it must be working good for you. Thank you, Danny. You look great too. It's so nice to see you. Is there any last thoughts that we haven't covered that you want to leave us with? Or do you want to sing or chant some more for us? I'm excited to be inclusive. And I think one of my contemplations is, is what makes a community strong. And this could be a whole thing, but is we have to be inclusive. Mm. And so the people that are of different races, different colors, different backgrounds, different financial, all this type of thing is we tend to align with the people that are of our same way of being Mm -hmm. and to stretch ourselves and to find the meeting points versus the differences. And so I think that's kind of just one of the missions of the band is our band is kind of like a modern day village people. We have an African-American native, their husband and wife, they're wonderful, a Latina and a Laotian, their husband and wife, and you have the, the token white guy. And so we have, you know, a nice way of being very inclusive. And for me, it is to try to find the meeting points for everybody and to make communities so inclusive. And so I would love to play a song for you that I have just released. It's all English. It's a three minute song, but it is something that just talks about keeping things alive within us, keeping joy alive, keeping our faith alive and keeping our trust alive. Let's hear it. Danny and the Butter Thieves. Okay. Amy, it's been a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you so much. The teachings you brought to me, life-changing. It connected so many dots for me. And it opened up so many possibilities. It took so much doubt away from me. And you gave me so many opportunities to go through the program. And I'm just so grateful for you, your team, you codifying this beautiful practice that you brought back from India and made it so easily understandable by your your wisdom, your grace, and your just who you are. You are a, a firecracker and I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. And I have to tell you, I have no greater joy than seeing our students become colleagues who take the teachings, embody them, experience them, and then go into the world and express them. So you, you have completed the assignment and we'll hear this song now to kind of lead us out of the show. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming, Danny. Thank you. Here we go. i 
and dead, gonna stay in bed all day. Pour me, pour me, pour me another drink so I can drift away. It used to be a taste in the talk of the town till I played a trick on me. I was blind, but now I find. Gotta keep your love alive. You got to keep your love alive. Keep your love alive. Keep your love alive. Keep your love alive. You got to keep your love alive. Keep your love alive. You got to keep your love alive. Keep your love alive. You got to keep your love alive. Your mama said I'm coming to the end. That's what I'm preparing for. Don't feel sorry, don't feel sad, I'm walking towards heaven's door. When I was young, so much younger, had a hunger for a minute taste. But no time to waste, I know what it takes. Gotta keep your faith alive, you got to keep your faith alive. Keep your faith alive, keep your faith alive, keep your faith alive. You got to keep your faith alive, keep your faith alive. You got to keep your faith alive, keep your faith alive. You got to keep your faith alive. Alive. You gotta keep your love alive. Younger felt she was dealt the hand of a losing pair. She was betrayed, her heart she gave, life just did not seem fair. She went bankrupt, she lost her trust, but she made it to the other side. From lost to found, she turned around, now she keeps her trust alive. You got to keep your trust alive, keep your trust alive. Your trust alive, keep your trust alive. You got to keep your trust alive, keep your trust alive. You got to keep your trust alive, keep your trust alive. You got to keep your trust alive. You got to keep your faith alive. You got to keep keep your love. Keep your love alive. Keep your love alive. Your love alive, keep 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 your love alive, you got to keep, keep your love. Danny for giving us that beautiful song to end on. And as promised during the interview, I want to tell you a little bit about this app that I've been using. It's called Better, B-E-T-R. And what happened was I got an email from my health insurance company and they said, we would like to support you in your preventative health. And I was like, great, that, that sounds good. So I took all these quizzes and told them all this stuff about me. And they came up with two suggestions that they would pay for. Number one was kind of a mental health app. And I downloaded it and, you know, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that was spectacular. But the second one was better, B-E-T-R. And they give you a coach to work with. They give you a community to be a part of. And basically you track everything you eat with the intent of lowering inflammation and building microbiome. And I was thrilled with that because I'm not one that likes to weigh myself every single day and see if I'm losing weight and shame myself into losing weight. I've tried that. It's, it doesn't work for me. But when you tell me that you want me to eat certain foods to lower inflammation so that my knees will feel better and my back will feel better and I'll have lower cholesterol and you know all the good stuff. And you tell me that the foods on that low inflammation list that I'm supposed to be eating off of for the first month as kind of a reset, that those foods are all building the microbiome. So there's a lot of fermented foods. I mean, it, it's a really unique list of things that I can eat. And then from there, we track pain in different parts of the body. We track mental health. We track sleep. We track bowel movements. What kind of bowel movements? All these things that are very closely aligned to microbiome and see the progress over time and Yes, there is a weight component if you want to look at your weight every day. 
But for me, the focus on lowering inflammation and improving my microbiome, and as it was described to me in one of the classes I took, they have live classes every Tuesday night, that your microbiome are bacteria living inside of you and they live in like a city or a community. And when we eat a lot of processed kind of dead foods, they don't thrive. When we eat things that feed the microbiome, like fermented foods, like good, healthy sources of fiber, then these cities thrive and more and more good microbiome grow. And that starts to produce things like serotonin to improve your mental health. It starts to help lower the inflammation in your body. It starts to change how you sleep. So that focus for me has been really, really important because there's no shaming, there's no blaming, there's no residual imprint around. I've tried diets before and now I can't do it. And I'm a terrible person because I can't follow this it really shifted my perspective about feeding my body in a way that was going to impact me holistically. So I think you can do the app even without your health insurance company paying for it. I do think it's a little pricey from what I saw. And I'm just really grateful to see major healthcare companies paying for preventative health like this, especially one that focuses on microbiome, which as all of us know, comes from Ayurveda. So if you're interested in that, maybe go check it out. I can't tell you for sure. I know it's on the app store. One of my friends downloaded it the other day, and it's just a whole new approach to eating well, but also nourishing yourself and taking care of your mental health. So the other thing is our optimal state mental health tracker and suggestion maker is also a wonderful app that you might use based on the gunas, based on vata, pitta, kapha. And a lot of yoga teachers, yoga therapists, and even general public love to track how their mental and physical health is doing through the lens of yoga and Ayurveda and the gunas. So you can also download that from both Android and iPhone app store. It's called Optimal State App. All right, everybody, have a great day, and we will see you next week. A special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.